This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. You know, on this podcast, I usually talk about something having to do with the election or national affairs, and this certainly has to do with national affairs and in an indirect way can affect the election with what is happening with all the unrest after the tragic death of George Floyd on Memorial Day in Minneapolis. And we've talked about this before. In fact, I was on the BBC last week. They wanted to talk about it, and I told them, I said, there's no sane American that approves of that. Nobody. We are not divided on that. <laughs> These are very deep um, you know, problems that have been around for a long time, and there are people that are using it you know, for their own political purposes. And, uh, you know, it's kind of morphed, you know, it, there's the protest, which, you know, I'm all for pre- peaceful protest, but then there's the anarchists who take advantage of it, and they're frankly trained, and they're ready, and they're just waiting for a match to be thrown, you know, into the pile of hay or whatever gasoline can or whatever word picture we would use, and... Um, they take advantage of it. And then the third group, which is totally unrelated, are the looters. You know, there's looting that has to do with nothing about police brutality, but there's a unrest, you know, either after a hurricane or I remember a number of years ago, a blackout in New York City for like 12 hours, and there was horrible looting. So we need to remember that there's the three different groups. But what's happened is that some of the anarchists have kind of hijacked these protests And the group that is talked about the most, at least lately, is Black Lives Matter. And, of course, we believe that Black Lives Matter. But, um, you know, when you dig down into what's really going on, and we're going to be doing an article on Charisma News, a great article from Town Hall by Ryan Bomberger, who is himself a, a mixed race. You know, I guess we'd, you know, consider him black. But he has a very interesting perspective. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. And today, I am talking about what's happening in my own community, which is a conservative area just north of Orlando, Florida. Uh, We basically don't have a lot of unrest here, like none. (laughs) But we got word that there were going to be protests. We got word that they were going to bust people in, whoever they are. It's in Lake Mary, Florida. Lake Mary developed after the days of segregation, so we have no historic black community here, none. Uh, they're blacks in our community, but they, you know, blend in with everyone else. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a higher middle income area. It's not, certainly not poverty stricken. Uh, but then it's not wealthy like you think of somewhere like Palm Beach or, uh, you know, a few other places in the country. And so I found out that actually Christians have gotten involved with what's happening here locally. And it was such an interesting story and so important that I invited my longtime friend, Shaddy Solomon, to uh, be on my podcast today because Shaddy, I've known Shaddy since around 2000, I guess. Is that right? 90s. 90s? (laughs) That far back. (laughs) And so uh, let me welcome Shaddy. First of all, we are tenants in the building owned by Lake Mary Church. We'll be for a couple more years. And so I'm aware of what they do. And we heard about these protests. And then we heard that one of them was canceled, and that Shaddy had reached out to uh, some of the people, and there were actually going to be three different protests, and maybe Shaddy can explain that, and I said, I have got to get this out, because to me, it's an example of how Christians should be, because so many Christians are very, very passive. First of all, they don't want anyone (laughs) to attack them, 
and they're afraid that you know they will be the new example of cancel culture, you know, including a very large church in uh, Alabama, which is an entirely different story, where some people didn't like uh, some likes that the pastor put on Twitter. In other words, you know, people were putting stuff on Twitter, and he went through and read them and would hit like, which all of us do. And, um, you know, the man is actually a friend of mine. I have a lot of respect for him. But, you know, he, he apologized, and that wasn't good enough. They're really coming after him, and maybe I'll do a podcast on that separately. But, you know, I, I just feel, knowing Shaddy, um, that, you know, you're bold as a lion. And uh, so why don't I quit talking and ask you just, you know, we can just have a conversation about what happened but you've got kind of a different perspective because you are yourself an immigrant. You know, you're not uh, the, the privileged white guy, you know, that the stereotype that the left likes to talk about. And so uh, why don't you just tell us how you, maybe first of all, how did you become aware that we were even going to have a march here in Lake Mary? Well, thank you for having me on the podcast, Steve. Um, the way we came, became aware, of course, there is flyers in our community that indicating uh, there will be a protest in, in Lake Mary. And matter of fact, there was three planted in Lake Mary. And tomorrow will be one will, will be taking place here in Lake Mary, one happening in Sanford and one happening on Oviedo. All will be taking place tomorrow afternoon. So um, everybody have a voice and everybody want to express their opinions and um, uh, the amazing part about these protests, uh, the organizers of these protests are high school students. And as you know, we're very involved in high schools, very involved with that age group. And Why don't you just tell in a sentence or two what you're doing? Because it's, it's pretty incredible and I think just adds to your credibility, you explaining this. Well, we are a a church that planted in Lake Mary High School. So when we started the church, we intentionally planted the church in Lake Mary High School to reach the next generation. And even that we moved out of the high school, and back then, by your invitation, we came to your building and we uh, we leased there for eight years. That's before we had the privilege to buy the building. And no, you're not our tenant. Uh, you're the owners that sold us the building. So <laughs> I just want to make sure, you know, um, that we're honored to to partner with you in reaching the community. But the big picture is um, we find out from a lot of the students and the community that uh, a lot of this happening and some of these protests are young, sharp, very intelligent young people that are organizing this. And some of it, as you you previously explained, um, don't know what I'll call them the hijackers, that some simple protest could be just expression of um, opinion and expression of the unrest that is happening and the anger of, uh, you know, the whole idea of people that have racism. And but the big picture is there is agendas behind people that will try to hijack these moments and bring in the looting and bring in the destruction and bring in uh, the hardship that will be left leaving these areas and these cities. And we are socially responsible church means we intentionally are in the community 
and we feel social responsibility. Making disciples is a good thing. We want to honor God and want to make disciples, but we also were socially responsible. So we're active in the school system uh, through what we call them campus missionaries. So we have campus missionaries, our different um, middle school, high school, and colleges that reach the students and um, serve the schools. So uh, that's how we find out from that age group. And you've just had incredible um, results. In fact, uh, probably a year or so ago, I actually did a podcast on some of the things that you've done. And, um, you know, I've been able to get to know some of the young people and learn their testimonies, and some of them are pretty dramatic. And uh, you're involved at lots of different levels in the community. And so once you started seeing the flyers, then what happened? Well, through a friend that knows a friend, uh, you know how that goes. Um, uh, students are very well networked. Um, also, st- students these days are easily connected because of social media. So there is social media presence, and they connect, and they talking, different schools talking to one another. So this um, um, particular protest that is scheduled for tomorrow is led by a very sharp young lady who is 17 years old, who is organizing this, and it's um, she's a high school student from Lake Mare High School, graduated a year early, very sharp, planning to go and study in um, Washington State, and a very sharp young lady, and she, we, we met with her, talked with her, and the bottom line is um, these young people want to express their frustration, want to ex- practice their right to protest, but again, the risk of doing this with all eyes on it and everything in social media could risk also the peace and the economic system of our community. And tell me the story of, uh, you know, I'm re- I heard it from others. <laughs> and when I did, I said, I've got to talk to Shaddy about this because I thought it was so important. But uh, apparently a couple of the protests were going to be peaceful, which is fine. Uh, over the years, I've actually marched in a few myself. And um, one of them was, uh, actually wasn't a march as much as we lined up along Highway 50, which is the main east-west thoroughfare in Orlando. And we held up signs uh, supporting life. Mm. It wasn't a march, but it, it extended several miles. You know, it was planned and we had signs and we stood so far apart and, and um, you know, car, cars would honk at us as they went by and people would give us thumbs up. So, uh, and of course, when I was in college, I I participated in some of that kind of stuff in the anti-Vietnam War era, which seems like ancient history now, but I sort of know a little bit about myself. And, you know, we have a constitutional right. We Christians have a constitutional right to speak up our views, political or cultural, and certainly to to, uh, declare the gospel. But other people, you know, uh, of whatever political stripe can do it too, but... Uh, one of them wasn't as peaceful, but mm-hmm. I understand that it shut down. Correct. Um, the person that was going to lead this, he's not from our community. He's uh, from a community close by, but not from our community. And um, I met with this gentleman, young guy, and I asked the questions. Um, okay, what, what do you want? Uh, what's your goal? What's your purpose of this? What do you want to achieve? And um, he went in all these rhetorics, you know, how our community is a rich white community and they should pay for 
um, uh, previous years, and he brought up um, the Trevon Martin case, which was not too far from here. And um, and then after I heard his approach, and I just told him, I'm very sorry, um, I cannot get behind this. Um, because I told him, you know, we want to support peaceful protest. We want to support expression of diversity. We want to support and expose the racism. And racism is in the heart. It's not a system, but it's in the heart of man. That's a, dull, a whole different subject. But uh, I told him, I'm, I'm sorry, I could not get behind this because it's about defunding the police. It's about uh, you know, the com this community should pay this community. It's, it's just, and he really did not have a clear agenda, but all his speech and all his ideas are very hatef hateful and uh, very destructive in a motive. So I told him we could not do that. And as you know, Steve, uh, one of our, um, I'm part of Every Nation. Uh, it's a church planning movement around the world. And one of our pastors, Tim Johnson, who is a Washington Redskins Super Bowl um, um, star and college football star from days of Penn State. He led a 10,000 people lament walk in Orlando last week. And it was very peaceful. It was very scripturally uh, driven. They read the scripture. They prayed for the sins that was committed in the land. And um, none of this was destructive. So I told this young man, you know, this is how you could do it. And this is what we got behind. And he was not buying into this. He said, I asked him a question. I said, how many people do you think you're going to pull? He said, I'll have three to 500. I said, great. And we'll have three to 5,000. We'll drown you. You will not have a voice in our community. And um, um, he told me, you're a pastor? I said, yeah. And he said, you talk like that. And I said, we got to protect our community. And we're just telling you, we don't want to have this rhetoric in our community. Then he texts me later, says, fine. Uh, we're going to lead it somewhere else. <laughs> and, well, good for you. <laughs> and uh, but it, it, So that was one. Then the other one is this young lady that we met with yesterday, and she's leading one tomorrow and will be a part of it. We started with prayer. One of our campus missionaries who is African-American will speak, and uh, we told them, this is peaceful. We'll get behind that, and we want your voice heard, but we don't want to bring destruction or unrest in our community, and that's... Um, that's the main thing of social responsibility. And as you know, this is all spiritual as well. Absolutely. It's a, it's a spiritual attack. That's not new to our generation. Of course, it's been going on since the beginning of time and manifests itself in many ways. But uh, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And your story encourages me that Christians don't have... Uh, you know, first of all, to be passive. Second of all, to be angry mm. and to meet force with force. Mm. And often it's as simple as meeting with these people. You know, they are human beings. They have, uh, there's reasons why they feel the way they do. Um, in a lot of cases, they would have no one speaking into their life, uh, the other side, so, so to speak. And uh, I was I heard through the grapevine. I don't know if it's right or not, but that you have you're actually going to be reaching out to her family and and trying to invite them to your church and you know good can come out of this and absolutely. Uh, I'll probably be writing about this on Monday. Of course, by then we'll know exactly what happened. But I wanted to get the behind the scenes story. Also, I'm kind of curious. You know, Lake Mary has a lot of churches, mm -hmm. thankfully, but as far as I know, you're the only church 
that reached out, and there are a couple of other churches that may not be in Lake Mary itself, but we're kind of a cluster of cities right here. Uh, but what made you reach out, and uh, do you care to speculate on why nobody else s- stepped up? Well, as, as you know, Steve, we are a highly diverse church. Um, we have black, but we're not a black church. We have white, but we're not a white church. We have Hispanic, large group of Hispanic, but we're not Spanish church. And we have Middle Eastern. Uh, I'm one. But we, we're not a Middle Eastern church. So from the beginning of birthing the church, we wanted to be diverse on purpose. And that takes work. And that also reflects our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the goal is to be a church that reflects who we are as a community and not to be segregated. Sadly, that Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week because the black goes to a black church, white goes to a white church, Middle Eastern go to a Middle Eastern church, Korean go to a Korean church. But yet we work together, we live together in a community. But when it comes to worship our Heavenly Father, we segregate. So we did not want this to be repeated, but we want to work on how to bring in, Paul wrote to the Romans, it says, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that's our minister to reconcile our community. And that's what we went after from the get-go. So that became a part of our DNA. We want to see that. And and, uh, last Friday, I was out of town, but my wife led uh, a night of prayer and worship for our nation, and they had open mic platform for you know people that want to talk from the black community, from the Hispanic community, from every community, and we praise God and worship God together as a family. Tonight, uh, we have another um, one of these nights that uh, you know our community coming together. People have to be able to voice their opinion, their hurts, their um, bad experiences in a safe environment and in a loving way, but the only way that we could take racism out of the picture is when I find my Heavenly Father and you find your Heavenly Father and we all find out that we have the same Father. And that's what causes us to do life together, not just like one another, but the true healing comes when we do life together as a spiritual family. And that's what's the call for the church is. I believe if churches in different cities take that approach of doing life together and um, taking the responsibility for the, ch- for the atmosphere of the city and understand that we are responsible for that, then we'll find ourselves very proactive in the situations instead of sitting there waiting to see what will happen. Um, yes, we pray. We have incredible prayer team that pray for our city. But also we have to be very proactive to see what's going on and how we could lead it, if we can, in a peaceful way. Well, I just have so much respect for what you've done, and I think what you're doing is important. You know, this hasn't really been that political um, in a sense. Uh, There's other times and places to do that. Um, I'm concerned about Black Lives Matter, and, uh, you know, in the same way that I'm concerned about the new Black Panthers and the Nation of Islam, and some of the extremism there as well. You know, our president has a pretty difficult, you know, role right now. Uh, You know, what do you do to try to calm it down with somehow making it worse? You know, I think of the situation in Seattle where they've actually taken over a part of the city, and they say no police zone, but 
you know, I only know what I've seen in the media, and you always wonder what you can believe. But, I mean, I saw a picture and a description that they had a cordoned off. It was it was police-free zone or some such terminology. Yet they had a guy all dressed up, you know, how Antifa dresses, with what looked to me like an Uzi machine gun. And they had one entrance, and you had to pass there. And that doesn't sound police. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the... Uh, a professional police. It was a, a vigilante type of police. And, uh, you know, now the, the authorities are trying to figure out what to do, leave them alone. I mean, there's all kinds of stories about how they're shaking down the business owners that live there and so forth. Uh, if you had a, advice for President Trump, like, I wonder if he listens to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But if you had advice, or, you know, maybe some of the Christian leaders I know that some of the Christian leaders that speak to Trump have advice. So what would you say to him at, at this particular time? What does America need right now from him? I believe this. I can't advise President Trump. I'm not that level at all. <laughs> I have nothing to offer in that political area. But in the spiritual side of this, um, you know, I was in L.A. last week, and in California, I drove through literally looks like um, I felt like I'm in the Middle East again. And it is sad that um, um, law-abiding citizens have to drive around with papers to prove why you're in the street and you want to make sure that you're essential because they're still in, you know, early days of phase one in California. While people who are doing destructive things to the city you know, they're out there breaking the curfew. So you're regulating the good citizen, but you cannot regulate the criminals. And I'm saying criminals, I'm not talking about the protesters. I'm talking about the people that's burning buildings, that burning cars, that uh, uh, doing destruction. The, the anarchists and the looters. Exactly. Now, protest is a healthy way to suppress your opinions and your views and to come against what you disagree with. That is the beautiful thing of America. And, uh, but the destruction that comes with that hurts more than anybody else is the black community. And the sad part is all the studies showing that once uh, these things take place in a part of town, most business owners says, I'll, 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 I'm pulling out of that. I don't wanna provide opportunities. I don't wanna invest in there. Last time, you know, a, a riots burn my business or take away. So that takes away from the economic prosperities that these minorities need to survive. So it caused cities literally to collapse financially, economically, in every area. So there's nothing good about that. And driving in LA, watching what's happening, here is what surprised me. People breaking the law in the name of justice. <laughs> so it is so... Um, nonsense because to say I'm burning this person's property because I'm demanding justice. Well, if you're demanding justice, justice will be served, then you go to jail. <laughs> what justice are you looking for? How could we demand justice or, or deal with a lawbreaker like that officer that basically commit this horrible crime by killing George Floyd, okay, so how could you look at this as a lawbreaker and you demand justice for that by you breaking the law in other ways? But there's no question that he's going to get justice. There's never a hint 
that anyone's going to let him off of anything. <laughs> if I, anything, they're going to they're they're going to be harder on him I, because I of uh, because of what's happened. I almost agree. to make him. Uh, I mean, he deserves whatever he gets. I want to be clear. Absolutely. But uh, you're right, and you know, you say the word justice, and it's kind of been hijacked. I mean, the word the term social justice has been around as long as I can remember, mm-hmm. and. Of course, we're all for social justice, but it's, it's been kind of hijacked to represent a lot of stuff that isn't justice at all, exactly. which was your point. It's against justice. Uh-huh. What, what you do, how could you be for justice, but you do unjust things to other people? That's that, and that's what's taking place. And the, the big picture here we see, there's a lot of things getting hijacked by bad motives and horrible agendas. So justice is hijacked by criminalities and black lives hijacked by a, a great name, Black Life Matters, that is a great name, but the agendas of certain groups that operate under the idea of Black Life Matters, the name justify anything but cause black lives looks bad. And that is... That is great marketing names, but yet if you says Black Life Matters, of course I believe Black Life Matters, and this this not only matters, it's time to hear the other side of the black life that has been covered up or uh, dealt with in a very harsh ways. But in the end of the day, how we present, there's a difference between communicating and expressing. So much expression of violence, so much of expressions of um, unjust things, but very little of communicating the message of what we're trying to achieve. And what we're trying to achieve is equality. What we're trying to achieve is social justice. Those that if you even utter those words, that proves you're a racist. I mean, that's kind of how extreme it's gotten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've done a little bit of research. And, and we'll have to leave this for another day, but going to their website to see what they're asking for, it goes way beyond, way beyond blacks getting equality. Mm-hmm. It has to do, uh, you know, there's even wording that sounds like uh, we sh- there should be destruction of the nuclear family and raise children in a village, uh, uh, destruction of capitalism as we know it, and on and on and on. So in other words... In a way, I, I was going to say every, but it's not really probably every, but many of the left-wing things have found a new home, <laughs> That's a, you know, yeah. under what's happening. And it's just a very serious time in, in the life of our country. It, it reminds me of the late 60s. I was, you know, uh, a teenager and... Um, so you can do the arithmetic, figure out how old I am. But, you know, I remember we had three assassinations in pretty quick succession. Hmm. And after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, uh, you know, the cities, there were cities burning. I mean, there was hmm. enormous rage and uh, riots at the Democratic National Convention, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this feels like that time. And uh, in, in some ways, it's even worse because back, back then... Um, it was even even worse in a way because there were laws on the books that needed to be changed. We had a great civil rights leader whose life was snuffed out. Uh, you know, somebody could make the case that this bad cop 
you know, of course he was trying to hurt the guy. You know, I mean, you can only speculate. Only God knows his heart. And that's mm. not going to that's not going to give him a bit of wiggle room. <laughs> but I mean, it's not like he set out to ass- assassinate him like, you know, whoever assassinated. I don't remember the guy's name. Uh, he's burning in hell, I'm sure. But, you know, who assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. And I'm just speculating on that. And our time is really up. And you know, this is a subject, of course, that we'll be dealing with again, and I've dealt with it before on my podcast and in other ways. But uh, as we wrap up, I want to give you the last word by asking you to tell any pastors or ministry leaders uh, advice you have for whatever situation they're dealing with in their community. And, it's, you know, it's going to be different in different parts of the country. Some areas are going to probably have a lot worse than we do here in Central Florida. Uh, some areas may, you know, may not have any unrest at all. But in a, what would advice would you give to other pastors and ministry leaders? Uh, first of all, it's uh, driving on the road. Neither ditch is a good place to be. So overcorrecting just as bad as making a mistake. And we see a lot of overcorrecting extreme overcorrecting and that's where things swing from one side to the other and neither side is a good place to be so to be wise in that matter and 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 live like that uh, what I will say to uh, spiritual leaders and pastors that leading churches don't be intimidated to hear somebody's difference even if they believe different than you uh, don't feel defensive to allow somebody express their hurts that you may not experience simply because opening up the dialogue and allowing the healing that comes from that, that somebody actually cares to hear how I've been treated or how I've been mistreated or how I've been hurt. Somebody to hear that perspective, it open up the dialogue, but more important, it ushers in healings and it builds the bridges between people that cause us to be closer than we think. Second thing is, don't live in a spiritual bubble. And uh, sometimes we just preach to our people, live in our own, you know, bubble, and we really don't know what's happening on the road we live in, and we don't know what's happening in the town we live in. And we're so disconnected from being a part of the solution. We bring in an answer that nobody else can bring. No political figure have an answer, and no laws could bring the answers because there's no laws to regulate the heart of man. And prejudice and uh, racism is not a political issue. It is a root of the pridefulness of the heart of man that caused me to think I'm better than somebody else or I have the right to mistreat somebody else. So... To deal with the heart, that's the job and the responsibility of the church. And we must know this is our, we've been, been, we're created for such a time as this to bring the message of Jesus and to bring the message of reconciliation to our community in the way that the Bible teaches us how to love even not only people that are different than us, even our enemies and extends the bridge of love to other people, not to see only people healed, but to see our community safer. Well said, and we'll leave it there. Uh, We're recording this on June 12th, 2020. Uh, Of course, podcasts are on, you know, basically forever. 
We just passed uh, five years with our podcast, and it's interesting for me to see that every single month, somebody listens to every single podcast, which is hard for me to believe. So there are going to be those that listen to this later that know kind of what develops. And, um, you know, we're going to get this up on the podcast network right away, right away because it's, you know, timely. And we'll continue to follow this. This is this is not a one and done. You know, we don't check. We don't do something nice and check it off the list. You know, we. And in fact, uh, the body of Christ can kind of grow. Can grow, and uh, hopefully, there will be other ways that we can really speak up and to really show the love of Jesus. And you know, you mentioned earlier Trayvon Martin. He was tragically killed two and a half miles from where you and I sit. Correct. And uh, he was from Miami. He was visiting. People here didn't know him. It was actually a scuffle. It was a fight. And what he didn't know was that the guy he was fighting with had a permit to carry. Hmm. And so the guy shot him. He was ultimately acquitted by a jury. But there was a lot of unrest. And the, the pastors in this area, black and white, uh, dialogued and talked and walked the streets and got involved and... Uh, you know, the situation now, eight years later after that tragedy uh, in our area, you know, up until this happened, uh, has really been pretty good. And, uh, the, you know, I've done podcasts on this before, and I actually did a documentary on it. You can check it out on YouTube at Sanford, The Untold Story, and you can hear what people were saying back in that era. The circumstances were entirely different. It did not involve the police. Um but it did bring to the surface an awful lot of these same issues, and it caused pastors to decide how to be involved. And my experience was that almost without exception, pastors wanted to do good. They wanted to show healing. I remember, and I'll close with this, but I remember that one of the pastors who, um, one of the black pastors who had been pretty critical and so forth, um, I got a group of people, and we, we showed up at his church. There must have been eight or ten of us. And we just said, we're just going to show up at our church to just show that we're supportive. And I said, you know, we don't know what he's going to say. You know, he may see us and denounce us. They couldn't have been nicer. It was like they rolled out the red carpet. They were so mm. pleased that we would bother to just— and we really didn't do anything except show up for church. <laughs> and, of course, you know, we greeted people and visited. You know how it is. But— you know, that was just a small example that I remember, and it, it, uh, it let me see how people really do want the love of Jesus. And, and I'm just so encouraged by what you've done, Shaddy, and I thank you for doing it, and I thank you, my listeners, for listening to this today. Uh, check out our other podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to my Strang Report newsletter as well, and check out uh, stevestrangbooks.com. The several books that I've written are there, and and uh, you can find out what's going on. And tune in again tomorrow for another podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you.